The following sermon is by Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh, North Carolina. Please visit us at 2100 Noble Road in Raleigh or on the web at ebcraleigh.com. And now, here's Pastor Steve. Amen, church. Let's take our Bible and turn to Acts chapter number 22. Acts 22. While you're finding your place there, obviously you can see in just a few minutes together, we'll take the Lord's Supper together. I want to share just a word from the Scripture. Of course, we're finishing up now uh, the uh, book of Acts, and so uh, next week we'll cover a few chapters, and uh, by the end of um, March we will finish this good book, and we'll start Easter Sunday morning answering the question uh, from the great catechism, what is our only hope in life and death? And certainly it would be in our Lord Jesus Christ, His death and His resurrection and His life eternal that brings us everlasting life. Acts chapter number 22, and uh, here's, the, here's the kind of the question I want us to answer today. I just put this before you. Um, do you is it instinctual for you to share the gospel with unbelievers? Is that, is that when you're around unbelievers, or maybe at work, or your family, friends, neighbors, or uh, whenever you are exposed, or you're around somebody who's an unbeliever, they don't know Christ, is it instinctual? Is it natural for you to um, engage and, and walk into a conversation concerning the gospel? And I just want you to kind of answer that in your own soul. This past week, as I was working through the text myself, I was asking myself that just kind of internally. Do I, is it natural for me to share the gospel with people? And I think the answer for my own life, I have to just be, admit to you and be honest, your pastor is no. It's not natural for me. In fact, it's, it's not natural at all. I, I, I recoil from that, and it's, it's hard for me to just um, to let that come out. And yet, I, I think the New Testament would say, and I think the command of the Lord Jesus would say, that uh, it should be a natural outflow of our heart that if Christ has died for us and risen again from the grave and He has washed away our sins by His blood and given us new life to live, that it should want to overflow. It should come out of us what Jesus has done. And I should be looking for opportunities in my life to share what Christ has done and to give the gospel to unbelievers, knowing what He has done for us and knowing that people that do not have Christ as their Lord and Savior have a destiny in a Christless eternity, they need Jesus. And so I just want you to maybe ask yourself that question today. Is it instinctual? Is it natural for you to share the good news of Jesus Christ with unbelievers? And so we want to look today at how we might be able to do that. Would you read along with me in Acts chapter number 22? I'm going to read a, a, a decent portion of this chapter. The Bible says, um, brethren and fathers, hear my defense, which I now offer to you. And when they had heard that he was addressing them in the Hebrew dialect, they became even more quiet. And he said, I am a Jew born in Tarsus of Sicilia, but brought up in the city, educated under Gamaliel and strictly according to the law of our fathers, being zealous for God, just as you are today. And I persecuted this way, or the people of the way, to the death, binding and putting both men and women in prison. 
as also the high priest and all the council of the elders can testify. From them I also received letters of the brethren and started off for Damascus in order to bring even those who were there to Jerusalem as prisoners to be punished. But... And this divine conjunction, he moves to his salvation and he says, But it happened that as I was on my way approaching Damascus about noontime, a very bright light suddenly flashed from heaven all around me and I fell down to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? And I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus the Nazarene whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me saw the light, to be sure, but did not understand the voice of the one who was speaking to me. And I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Get up and go into Damascus, and there you will be told of all that has been appointed for you to do. But since I could not see because of the brightness of the light, I was led by the hand by those who were with me and came into Damascus." Now, brothers and sisters, many of you here today, you know this story of Saul of Tarsus who had this Damascus Road experience where Christ broke into his life and he would believe on the Lord Jesus Christ for his salvation and then his name would be changed to the Apostle Paul and he would lead thousands to the Lord Jesus Christ. He would plant churches all across those regions and he would write much of the New Testament. When we think about his life, I think we say, well, I didn't really have a Damascus Road experience. I share that with you. I got saved when I was seven years old. In fact, December 1st, 1984, I remember going to a Sunday evening uh, service and I, I heard a message about the reality of hell and the goodness of heaven and the Lord Jesus Christ who died in our place and I put my faith and my confidence in Christ that night and I assure you that I, I was not the world's worst drunk at seven years old, alright? I had not committed multiple crimes I, I had not sowed a whole bunch of wild oats I, I didn't have that uh, shining light Damascus Road experience that the Apostle Paul had, but what I did have was the same inbreaking of the Lord Jesus Christ that happened to the Apostle Paul, and the same power, and the same grace, and the same might, and the same salvation that was in the Apostle Paul came into my life and into my heart as a seven-year-old boy. I gave my life to Jesus, and I have never been the same. Not one day in my life have I ever been the same. I was translated from the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light by the mercy and the blood and the care and the concern of the dying and risen Lord Jesus Christ. Amen? He is good and merciful and kind. And brothers and sisters, when we bring ourselves to this text today, I think what we can sum up here is when you read chapter 21, it's the travel log of the Apostle Paul as he goes from city to city to city. But at the end of chapter number 21, the Apostle Paul finds himself with his back against the wall. They want to tear him limb from limb. The, the people there are just chomping at the bit for them to throw as fresh meat to lions. They want the Roman soldiers to throw throw the Apostle Paul to these people and they are going to kill him. They're going to stone him. They're going to tear him limb for limb. And the Apostle Paul at the end of chapter number 21 
He asks the Roman guard, can I say just a word? And they give him a moment, and so he goes from speaking in the Greek language into the Aramaic or into the Hebrew language, and so there's a moment of hush on all of the Hebrew people are around. They want to take his life, they want to kill him, and for a moment they are quiet. And I want you to notice this, that when the Apostle Paul's back is against the wall, when he is about to die, he doesn't go to his rich education with Gamaliel, he doesn't go to the Areopagus and argue in apologetics. He doesn't preach the greatest sermon that has ever been. He backs, when his back is against the wall, he goes right to them and he says, this is the closest thing to my heart. This is what happened to me. Here's my personal testimony about how Jesus saved me from death to life. And forget all the arguments. Forget all of that. There's time for all of those at other places. But the richest and the deepest and the most moving and the most powerful truth that I want you to know is what Christ has done for me. And can I say that we must take an example out of the Apostle Paul's life and say we should be the kind of people, not only when our back is against the wall, but every day of our life we ought to be looking for an opportunity to share the truth of the good news of Jesus Christ by way of our testimony, what Jesus has done in our lives. Amen? So today, uh, a little bit different of a sermon. Normally I'm walking down to the text and explaining and, and preaching with you, but today I want to do a little bit of teaching. And so I want to just maybe help us today as we are believers, we go into our community and our jobs and our school system uh, and with our neighbors and family. I want to help you to learn to share the gospel by way of your testimony. And, and so uh, I think if we blend our testimony together with the truth of Scripture, that will create a powerful impact upon the lives of unbelievers as we've seen from the Apostle Paul here. So here's the first thing I want to say today. We have to gain a hearing where it hurts. When we're speaking with people the same way as it was in verse number one and the end of chapter number 21, these people are hurting and whether they know it or not, whether they're mad or sad or anywhere in between, they have a hurting and a longing to have faith in Christ and they are going the wrong direction. And the Apostle Paul wants them to gain a hearing where it hurts. So let me just maybe give you a few, uh, a few helpful things here today. First of all, when we begin to share the gospel, we want to begin with everyday conversations. All right, just begin with everyday conversations. Uh, you don't necessarily have to go knock on a bunch of doors and, and, and when somebody answers the door, say, listen, if you died today, would you go to heaven? All right, you don't have to start with that. And, and, and I know that it's hard sometimes at work or with other people to just break into a conversation. So what I would say is, in the course of your everyday conversations with people, look for where life hurts, right? Don't move by those needs that people have. Listen, uh, uh, people will share with you, especially friends and coworkers and neighbors. Listen, as you come across people, sometimes people you don't even know will just share with you in everyday conversation where life hurts. It might be that they're going through a divorce. It might be that they're suffering from some sort of disease. Maybe they have cancer. Or it might be that there's a, a loved one in their life who is wayward. And, and, or it might be that they've lost a job. But listen, and in the course of everyday conversation, listen and meet them with the gospel where life is most painful. That is the entry point that you want to do. And so I want to say, just look for everyday conversations with people. And now, can I just help our church for a minute? Learn to have conversations with unbelievers. 
I've even, as your pastor, been uh, convicted by that this week, asking myself as the pastor of this church. In fact, somebody, I think from the personnel this last week, they were asking me, um, about uh, for the staff, what, what should be the percentages of in the office and the out of the office. And I think when I came here that it said in my job description that I was supposed to be in the office 70% of the time and out of the office 30% of the time. And uh, so they've adjusted that now to 60% in the office and 40% out of the office. I don't know what uh, percentage is the best, but can I tell, this and tell you this? You ought to want your staff to be around lost people much, much more than they are. And we're looking about what that might look like in our own work lives and how we do that. But you ought to be around lost people. And I've been praying this past week, Lord, am I around lost people? If I ask right now to pray for two or three lost people, what, what comes to my mind? And, and do I engage? Am I, and and, and you know, many of you, you have uh, children and teenagers who are uh, active in, in sports and activities and music and art and band and all of these kinds of things. Yet when you, listen, when you take your kids or when you're, when you're involved in something like that, you don't just show up and drop them off and say, that's great. You ought to be actively as a believer seeking to speak to unbelieving parents. Engage in conversation. Listen to where they're hurting. And you know you can make friends with it. And listen, if you, if you go to a, a senior activity or if you're a part of a Kiwanis club or if you, if you uh, I don't know, whatever you do as seniors, if you play shuffleboard, whatever you do, you ought to look for opportunities to be around people who are lost. And listen to them in everyday conversation and look for the places in their life where they hurt. You know, we have a senior group that meets here on Thursday mornings to play. I always kid them. I tell them that they play poker. They don't play poker. They don't play poker. If they did, I'd tell them to tithe to the church. Amen. No, I'm just messing with you. They play bridge and hand and foot. And I walk in there sometimes and ask them if they're playing elbows and knees. And I've been saying that same joke long enough. They don't get it anymore. But listen, on Thursday mornings... Our believing people that are in that, in that group, you know what y'all be doing? Playing bridge, playing hand and foot, and having gospel-centered conversations. Listening for the in-breaking and the, and the pain of somebody's life and where the gospel meets them there. Uh, so let me just give you a, a few other pointers here when we're gaining a hearing where it hurts. So learn to listen to everyday conversations. Pray for people. Pray for people that you meet. Pray for people that are in front of you at the line. Pray for people that you run into into the grocery stores. Pray for lost people all the time. When you're engaged in a conversation, it doesn't matter whether it's at the bank or whatever it's about, secretly in your own heart, would you just pray that they would come to faith in Christ and pray for an opportunity? And as you're praying, listen to where they are and where the pain is. I would say there, thirdly, listen to them. That's vitally important. I think sometimes as believers, rather than, uh, rather than listening to people, we jump right in to a, uh, a gospel presentation and we've never really met people where they're hurting. We're not, we're not identifying with them, listening to them, and validating the pain that is going on in their life. So learn to listen to people. Do you know that old adage that nobody really cares how much you know until they know how much you care? As cheesy as that may sound to you, it is absolutely the truth truth. And you may have the gospel in your hand. You may know that the death and the burial and the resurrection of Jesus is the answer to that dear lady that's going uh, through uh, some problem or, or whatever it may be. But unless you are listening to them, they won't want to know that truth. And so I would say to you, listen for everyday conversations, pray for people, and listen to what's going on in their life. And then can I say this? Empathize. Learn to empathize with people. And say, so what is that? Sympathizing is, is simply when you put an arm around somebody 
and, uh, and you, you care for them and you're, you're sorry for the circumstances. Empathizing is learning to live in that person's skin. Well, you say, well, that, that takes and detracts from my life and that drains. Yes. But we've not been called to an easy life. We've been called to the gospel life to share with men and women and boys and girls who are living upside down lives and their lives are wrecked and ruined. And we've got to learn to empathize and live with them and care for them and understand what is going on in their life and really genuinely care about them. And I'd ask myself, am I doing that with people? Am I doing that with unbelievers? And then listen, there is a transition in conversation. If all you ever, you don't want to be somebody's counselor where you never give them the truth. So, you know, listen, as you're listening to these conversations, listening to them, praying for them, living in their skin, empathizing for them, at some point you need to learn to transition from the problem that they have into the gospel, right? And I've put this up here. This is, uh, I don't know if you can read that. It's pretty small at the bottom. This is usually what I'll say. I'll say, listen, I haven't experienced that exact trial, but I have had similar problems. And then I'll say, can I share something with you that's really helped me in life? I just want to help you. That's, that's a good transition. Now listen, if you don't like it, just chunk it and use your own transition. But when I'm talking with people that are lost, that are unbelievers, that's how I, that's how I move into the gospel. I'll say, listen, I'm... I've never experienced what you're going through, but I've had some troubles and some trials in my life. Can I give you a time out for a second? Be real careful about telling people that you know exactly what they're going through because you don't. Okay? Right? But you can say, man, I've had some struggles in my life as well too. Here's the transition. I, I listen to them. I'm praying for them. I'm empathizing and feeling with them. I'm trying to validate what's going on in their life. And then I just make a transition when I'm talking to them and I say, hey, listen, I've never experienced what you're going through. I know what, you, what you're talking about right there with your son, with your daughter, with your spouse, with your friend, with your health. That's pretty devastating. But I've, I've experienced some struggles in my life. It'd be okay if I just share with you something that's really helped me. Now you've opened yourself. Most people... We'll talk with you and listen. And here's where I want to say, uh, this is where we can move into a situation where we can do like the Apostle Paul, giving the gospel through your life. Would you put this up for just a minute? Giving the gospel through your life. Those of you that have been overseas or North American missions with me, we often do some training about sharing our, uh, our uh, gospel testimony. And uh, we always order it like this, before Christ, Christ, and after Christ. And so this is just a simple three-part way for you to think about how do I move into sharing the gospel through my testimony with unbelievers? So what I would do is you see where the Apostle Paul does in verse number three down through verse number 20. Here's where he starts. He starts by giving them what life was like before Christ. He says, hey, listen, before I came to Christ, I was beating up these, uh, these saved people. I was trying to kill. I had edicts. I condoned all of this stuff. He tells them a little bit about what life was like before he came to faith in Christ. And then he says, listen, you remember the divine but there, the, that injunction? He says here, but I was on the way. I was on the Damascus road. And here comes Jesus breaking into my life. And I put my faith and confidence in him. And then later on in the chapter, he says, now I am here preaching the gospel to 
you for the Lord Jesus and giving my whole life to Him. I want to say that that's a model for us to think about with our own testimonies that we think for a moment about, okay, when I'm going to share with somebody, now I've transitioned, right? I'm listening to their problem. I'm praying for them. I'm empathizing with where they are. And then I simply say something like, hey, listen, I know you're having a tough struggle. I've had a few of mine. Be okay if I just share with you what the Lord's done for me or something that's helped me. And here's how that looks. Uh, like I said, today's a little bit different, so let me just teach you and by way of how I would do this myself, and then I'll, I'll give you some tips at the end for working this in. So I would simply say, hey, listen, you know, uh, I, I can't totally relate to where you are, sir. I, I, your wife walked out on you after 20 years. Man, that is, I can't, I, I don't know. I don't even know all the words to say to comfort you, but listen, my, my parents broke up when I was 13 years old, had all kinds of struggles. I know a little bit about that. Can I share with you something that has helped me along the way? I say, listen, just like I did at the beginning, I'll say something like, man, when I was just a kid, uh, you know, I wasn't a perfect kid. I, I still told lies and I still broke windows in the church and, you know, I, I still did wrong, things that were wrong. But I, I remember I went to church and I, I heard a, a sermon out of the Bible that told me about how Jesus Christ was God's Son and that He lived and He died and He rose again and that if I put my faith and confidence in Jesus Christ, that He would give me a new heart. And you know what happened? On December 1st, 1984, uh, on a Sunday evening, I did just that. I realized that I, uh, you know, that I was disobedient to my parents. I realized that I told lies. And you know what? My life story and your life story are tons away apart. But here's what I know. I was upside down and so are you. And I put my confidence in Jesus Christ. And from a child till 39, he's never left me. He's never forsaken me. He's seen me through every dark hour. And I'm trying the best that I can to live for him. And as I live for him every day, he lives with me every day. And he gives me confidence and peace and grace. He's forgiven me of my past. He's given me a glorious future. And He's with me every day, even in my heartaches and problems. And you see, that, that took me about two minutes. Did you guys catch some of that, right? A little bit of before Christ, right? I, I kind of get there and I say something like, listen, before Christ, I still stole. I still had a bad attitude. I still was disobedient to my parents. I was a sinner. I was broken inside. I may not have done a whole bunch of wrong. I may not have done what adults have done, but I, as a little child, I still had a hole in my heart, right? That's before Christ. And then I share and I weave in there a little bit of the gospel. And so I say, listen, on a Sunday night, I went and I heard a sermon about how Jesus Christ came into the world and that he died on the cross. Is this not the gospel, people? Is that not Romans, right? Here is the gospel that, he, that according to the scriptures, he died. And on, according to the scriptures, he was buried. And on the third day, he rose again. Isn't that what the Bible says, right? And so listen, I heard this sermon about how Jesus Christ, God's son, he came into the world, he lived and he died and he rose again. And that if I put my faith and confidence in him and turn from myself, put my confidence in him that he would save me. And that's exactly, that's coming to Christ. What about life after Christ? Man, the Lord's, hey, there's been ups and downs. I've failed. I've come short. But every day of my life, the Lord has been with me. He's never left me. He's never forsaken me. I've yielded my heart to him. And he is walking with me every day in my life, giving him confidence and peace and the joy 
that comes only from Him. Now you can do that with your life. And you know what? I probably shouldn't say this because I don't, I don't totally believe this, but many of you have much better testimonies than me. I usually don't tell people that because I, I think every testimony of somebody coming to faith in Christ is special. But you know what I mean, right? Many of you lived, uh, lived crazy lives and you've got amazing stories about how God broke into your life and did some incredible special things. Maybe you might think today that my testimony is a little bland or a little boring, but I will tell you this. I worked, in a, uh, I worked in a gospel rescue mission for years and years, and the best testimonies that have broken the hearts of people who are far away from God and convicts, uh, the, the testimonies that have done the most powerful work on people's lives are the ones that you think are bland. It's still the power of God that saves. It's still the merit of the Lord Jesus Christ that redeems people. Don't ever think poorly of your testimony. Use what God has given you and weave that into a conversation. So listen, let me teach for just a moment. We're not spending too much longer, right? I try and look for everyday conversations. I'm trying to pray for somebody and listen to them, trying to empathize about what's going on in their life. And when I find an opening whether it's sitting on an airplane or whether it's uh, waiting in line at, uh, in one of the 20 items or less at Walmart where there's some guy in front of you that's got 400 items and you know you're going to be there for a while, right? And no matter where it is, is, I'm listening to the conversations. I'm looking for that moment where people are hurting. And then I'm transitioning and saying, hey, listen, I've never had that, but I've had some problems. Can I share something that's helped me? Right? And then I just move quickly into that. Hey, this is before Christ, Christ, and after Christ. In my mind, I'm trying to think. And in a moment, and I'll give you some homework today, maybe to write out and to think about how to hone down your testimony. But what you want to remember is, just like the Apostle Paul, you don't need to tell people every sin you've ever committed in the past, all right? You don't need to do that. Just tell them what life was like before you came to Jesus. Tell them how you came to Jesus. And then tell them what life has been like since Jesus. And you want to kind of work that down to where in, in, in a period of maybe two to five minutes, you can just in a conversational way share that with somebody. You get that much into a conversation and maybe you've got to leave or they've got to leave or you don't ever see that person again, but you have given them a, some sort of gospel-centered conversation and a story, a powerful testimony of your life woven in with the gospel. And when the gospel affects our human life and it weaves itself into together, it is the greatest redemption story that can be that God has saved us by His Son and changed our life from the inside out. And there can be no simpler thing than to just share what Christ has done for you. Would you do that? Would you look for opportunities to do that? Let me give you just uh, maybe the last one here. Getting the conversation started. Well, maybe second last. So here's just some instructional things. So I'll do. So when I get to the end of giving my testimony, I'll say something like this. Have you ever turned away from everything and trusted Jesus alone? I used to say this. A few minutes. I used to just say something like this. I used to say, I give my testimony. I say, hey, anything like that ever happened in your life? Now listen, you can ask that and it's a great open-ended question. Just be ready that you're going to get, a, you're going to get some answers. I've done that, and I had, I had one guy say to me, you are, you're not kidding. I've had that happen, too. I was, all, I was in a car wreck. We flipped over. We should have died. And I felt this powerful uh, force in the car as I was laying there, and I knew that there was divine angels watching over me. Okay, now where are you going to go? <laughs> all right, we'll talk about that in the future. 
So you can ask that and say, great. Hey, you ever had anything like that happen to you? And listen, now you've got a great conversation. People will say something to you. Sometimes they'll say no or they'll tell you some fantastic story. By the way, if they tell you something like that, don't embarrass them. Don't make them feel as if that's not powerful in their life because it is. Just bring the conversation back to Jesus. Man, my friend, that is, that is the most incredible story. You should have died that night. You're right, I should have died that night. Can I tell you something? Have you, ever, have you ever thought that maybe God allowed you to survive that wreck so that standing in this Kroger's line, I could tell you about Jesus? See, you might be able to bend the conversation back toward that. I like this one because it does focus if you're not, if you're not used to it. Hey, listen, you're just talking to someone. Hey, listen, have, have you ever turned away from everything and put all of your confidence, your trust in Jesus Christ alone? That's a pretty pointed question, isn't it? It gets right at it. I, I, that's a good place to start. And then something like this. What keeps you from making that decision right now? Now, you get this far, and you're, you're pretty engaged with somebody. Hey, what, what keeps you from making that decision? Well, I just need time to think about it. Okay. Well, I, I'm not sure. There's so many religions. At least you have some open-ended questions and you keep that dialogue going. Then you can talk more about Jesus. You see? And then lastly, what I'll do is if I, I kind of run up against a brick wall, I feel like, oh, okay, or time is crunching in, I'll just say, hey, listen, man, sometimes I, sometimes I study together with other people. Would you, would you be interested in talking about this further? You know, if it's a coworker or a family member or, or um, somebody in your neighborhood, hey, would you, you want to get a cup of coffee sometime and talk about this a little bit more? You'd be surprised at how many times unbelievers will say, yeah, I'd like to know more about that. I'd like to talk to you about it. And you see what you've done? You've not hammered them. You've left that open. So that's a good way to get started. And then let me give you this uh, last one here. And we'll bring it to a close as we take the Lord's Supper. Here's some goals for those of you that want to obey Jesus. And I, maybe that's an audacious point. I, I'm not sure I should have said it that way. But I guess this week I've just been thinking about Jesus gives the command that I'm supposed to share the gospel with people. And I'm trying to figure out ways in my life that I can do that. I think if I'm going to be an obedient Christian, I have to tell people about Jesus. Some way, somehow. Isn't it? I mean, do y'all believe that today? Do y'all believe that as believers? I, I'm pretty sure that that's what the Bible says. I know that's what it says. And so I had to come to grips even in my own life this week and say, okay, now... If I look at it, if I take a snapshot of the last six months of my life, what does that look like? Would you do that with me right now? If you took a snapshot of your life over the last six months, and you had a spectrum there from inviting people to church or leaving a track or giving an invitation or a full gospel presentation, anything where it comes to somehow getting the gospel to unbelievers, if you could take a snapshot of the last six months of your life, what would that look like? I told you a little bit different sermon today. So I'm not beating you up. I'm with you in this. Brothers and sisters, it's not about getting more people in a church. It's not about building uh, greatest buildings in the world. It's just simply about when we leave here week in and week out that we not only are learning to be holy before the Lord, but we're learning to tell other people about Jesus. And so there's no quota you got to meet. You don't have to run out here tomorrow and tell 15 people about Jesus. But over the course of six months, 
There ought to be somewhere, somehow in our life that I'm engaging an unbeliever in a conversation about Jesus. I know that's difficult, but I think we ought to be able to do that. So here's some things. Maybe you should pray twice a week for two to three unbelievers you know. And here's one I'm taking into consideration. If you don't know a lot of unbelievers, pray that God would bring some into your life. I've recently started playing uh, basketball again on Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, with, uh, with Scott and some other guys. And man, I am feeling it. And I mean, I'm sore all over the place. But you know, one of the reasons why I'm doing that, Scott and I were talking this morning, a number of the guys we play with, they're, they're unbelievers. They don't know Jesus. And so my goal is uh, hopefully, number one, not to uh, break my ankles. Number two, not to need an oxygen tank when I leave there. And number three, maybe over the next six months, have an opportunity to share my testimony with one of those guys. Yeah. Um, write out your testimony in that before Christ, Christ, and after Christ format until you can read through it in three to five minutes. Yeah. For some of you that are wordy, that'll take a while. Um, one of the things you can do to help you, this, I've done this before, I think I might have mentioned to you, you can go to the website, I am second, I am second. And uh, if you go on there and log in, you can uh, write your testimony and in several days they'll have an editor that will edit it down for you, make it look better. And then they'll put that up on their website so that people can see it but it will also help you to abbreviate your testimony in that format, before Christ, Christ, and after Christ. You ought not to have more than a paragraph for each of those. right? And then lastly, just give it a go. Give it a go, and then journal about what you learned. You'll find that being helpful. I was telling, our, I was telling the young guys today when we were uh, studying Romans, I was saying, you know, man, some of it, you can learn all about it. You can read books. You can do a whole bunch of stuff. But at some point, you've just got to step out there and just give it a go. Just talk to somebody who's an unbeliever and try your best to stumble through a gospel-centered conversation. You can use my method. There's others that we use. We'll do more training. I want you to feel prepared. But somewhere down the line, would you just share what Christ has done in your life with an unbeliever? And then just journal about it. You know, come home and say, man, I had messed that up royally. <laughs> I'm not even sure I got the gospel out right. Don't you know that Jesus loves you? Don't you know that God cares about you? And, and, and it's not a matter of getting it, you know, precise every time. It's not a matter of meeting a quota. There's no legalism. The Lord just wants you to share what has happened to you, to the world, so that Jesus Christ is glorified and unbelievers come to faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. A amen. When you say that, I, I hope today that you feel encouraged and not beat up. Because I know on this subject, sometimes we all feel beat up. And life gets busy and we're going a thousand miles an hour in a whole bunch of different directions. And you come on a Sunday morning and Pastor Steve says, well, you need to be doing this. And it's just one more thing I put on your back. I don't want that to be. At the same time, I don't want you to walk out of here thinking that we don't own the responsibility that Jesus died for us and rose again and he saved us from death, hell, and the grave. And he's given this glorious responsibility that I am supposed to, in the sphere of the people that are around me on a daily basis, look for opportunities. Here's what I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray this week in your life that somehow, someway, God will bring a divine opportunity in front of you and that when he does, you'll have the courage just to get a few words out toward your testimony, toward Jesus. 
I know it's hard. I know people reject. I know sometimes, I know all that. Don't you know I feel the same way? This is what we've been called to. This is what you signed up for. Christ saved you. He's given this to us. And here's the good thing. He'll give us the power. And you never go alone. The Spirit of God is with us. Let's talk to a couple of unbelievers this week. Would you do that with me? You've been listening to Stephen Tillis, pastor of Emanuel Baptist Church in Raleigh. For more information and free access to other messages, please visit us at ebcraleigh.com.